Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. We're going to look at the Wrong Trousers Storyboard Collection from Wallace and Gromit and Nick Park, Ardman Animation. Before we crack this thing open, want to invite everybody to like, follow, and subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. Hit that bell icon next to the subscribe button. That'll notify you when we post new videos. It'll help offset the kayfabe effect. Sometimes we cover a book that doesn't have a big print run, maybe out of print, hard to get. If you're the first one notified, you'll be the first one to track down the few remaining copies that are out there at a reasonable price. Uh, we've seen prices skyrocket through the day, and we've seen books disappear in one day. So hit that notification button. Be the first one in line to track down the books that you want that you see on Cartoonist Kayfabe, and let our videos play through to the end. That allows YouTube's algorithm to share them with other comics fans that have not found Cartoonist Kayfabe yet. It's how we grow the channel. 60,000 plus and growing on our quest for $6 million. We thank you for your help on that. So... Uh, Without further ado, Wallace and Gromit, Wrong Trousers Storyboard Collection. We've looked at storyboards in the past, Ed. I always mean to include this, and I forget it. One of the great storyboards that we look at are those Akira storyboards, and part of what makes them great is having a Tomo do the actual storyboards. In this case, we have Nick Park doing the storyboards, the uh, the genius behind Ardman Animation. So you get to see kind of his uh, artistic hand in the entire developmental process. This was the first... Uh, Wallace and Gromit, the first Nick Parks thing that I ever saw was The Wrong Trousers. Who is Nick Parks? Well, I mean, I only know him from Ardman. Oh, okay. So he's an animator, but one of the things that, that I first recognized whenever I saw The Wrong Trousers is this kind of attention to lighting. This is part B-movie, part Alfred Hitchcock kind of movie, and for a stop-motion movie, like, I'd never really seen that kind of approach where the filmmaking played a huge role, you know, the camera angles, the compositions and stuff. So whenever I came across this... I was pretty excited to check it out because, again, it's just felt like a different approach to animation in that this is a filmmaker, and by doing this animation, he just has total control of everything. And uh, you can see him here kind of acting out timing in front of these storyboards. Reminds me of some of like the Pixar behind-the-scenes uh, photos that I would see in some of the Pixar movies where you get to see like all the writing on the wall in the images, in the graphics. And I just thought that was kind of fun, an animator at work. Yeah, they would say, there's there's clips of, uh, of Walt Disney during the... Snow White era, play, playing every yes. role and and get, getting into contorting his body into the little old witch and stuff. And Wallace and Gromit is, uh, you know, this old Englishman and his pet dog. So they're kind of these teams that get into trouble. This is kind of neat because it's the first book version for the storyboard Wrong Trousers book. They ultimately end up doing like um, six panels per page but in the original design. So there's a little bit of this behind the scenes stuff of how this book is actually put together, including how to read the wrong trousers storyboard. So calling out like what some of this different information is like frame timing, um, dialogue will be underneath these frames if necessary. That's so cool, man. Like, like we, did you ever do animation in school, in school or anything? No. There was like, there's like this foot pedal on, I imagine the Qbert school stuff is pretty rudimentary. And for every click is, is a frame and so you click four, and then it will hold on to that moment. Right. So so it could be you know ponderous, and then you know you, you you keep rocking. Yeah, it's interesting to see like the halves, like one and a half and two and a half. Watching that Miyazaki documentary, man, when he's like drawing his storyboards and then closing his eyes with a stopwatch and then like looking at the stopwatch. And if you look in, even in the uh, Akira ones, you have to you have to um, sort of annotate it down to there is a spot for millisecond. Right. Um, the storytelling, part of the reason I wanted to show this off is just how clear the storytelling yeah. is. Because when you have Gromit doing stuff, Gromit doesn't talk. So it's essentially like a, uh, a silent, a wordless comic. 
And, you know, how do you show things like numbers? Like what the, the story here is he thinks that Wallace has forgotten his birthday. That's a pretty hard thing to represent visually. So uh, very clever storytelling. Again, part of what attracted me to this stuff the first time I saw it. And the nice thing with this book is you get your storyboards, but you get a ton of production art. I flagged this page because many scenes were drawn up highly detailed for uh, set building and model making. And if you look at this, the perspective, this is just eyeballed. Like it's sure. not accurate perspective. I always take note whenever I see that because I don't really like drawing perspective grids. So it's kind of like, how else can you do perspective and have it work? So it's funny to see something that clearly the perspective is not gridded off, but also... I don't feel like that drawing suffers from it. It's very inspiring, man. And, and just knowing like what's going to come from this. Uh, I just went to a, uh, a hobby shop to uh, to grab like diorama materials, and you can buy like the kayfabe grass. On it's like a yes. it's yeah, like yeah. a sticky. Like you take the sticker off the back and you put it down. Uh, they just sell balsa wood by the sheets so that you could cut that shit. That they, used to be a job where you'd make models like for architectural firms out of that balsa wood. Yeah, yeah, so so I mean, it can be done, you know? Like, oh yeah. Like, like you could build, and that stuff is there, and man, these people are so serious. Like we were looking like- You'll see some examples in here of those little <laughs> models and accurate. The other thing that was cool was uh, the boxes. Like it's, I don't know that they make this stuff anymore. Like some of the sewer culverts and shit like that because the boxes, it's vintage material. Like yeah. it's, it's these old ass boxes of stuff and it's like $5 or something like nobody's looking for it. Nobody's making it. So what exists is out there, I guess. And That's there's, there, there's two different scales to it. You could buy different, like, dude, all of that is in here. That's the, like, the other part is like, uh, I think of railroads when you think of yeah, that little small exactly. stuff, like there's exactly. railroad that, model that, kits that, and that's stuff. The hobby shop. That's, that's in this story. And it's a big, it's the climactic scene. The story is they're running out of money and they, and so they have a border. They open up their house to this border who is this, uh, it's a penguin, but this penguin is wanted, well, this chicken is wanted for uh, <laughs> stick-ups. He's, he's a criminal. He should be wanted for stealing Howie Mandel's uh, <laughs> right. stand-up comedy gimmick. You remember that? I do. I do. <laughs> totally. He, he popped his eardrum uh, doing that once. I never heard that. Yeah, yeah. Gotta pay the price. <laughs> but this is the stuff, Ed, when you talk about like the models and stuff, I have no idea how you do rain for like stop yeah, motion. Yeah, all that shit. And it's amazing. Like I love whenever you see it and there's some pictures in here where it's like, move the camera back 10 feet and it's what you're looking at is so different than what you're seeing on the screen or through the viewfinder. But our penguin shows up and pretty soon is at odds with Gromit who ends up like sleeping outside of the house, you know, real sad moments as he moves away. The wrong trousers are the birthday gift for Gromit. The inventor Wallace makes these things to take him for a walk so that he doesn't have to walk him. They're like robot legs essentially and our, our uh, criminal penguin finds a much better use of that takes over the legs with the remote control and he's going to walk wallace into this museum to steal diamonds and this again is that ancillary material that i love because you do this you know we all do this where it's like oh we have this room and there's some complex action we got to make drawings of it just to figure out like where things are seated so there's a lot of that material that comes in addition to just doing your your panel by panel kind of motion but also like, what do we actually need? Like how much space is in there? How long does it take those wrong trousers to walk across the ceiling? And of course there are lasers that he's got to get around. It's amazing. All that stuff, how do you do it? It's such detailed artwork too. And he talks early on about how like drawing comics was one of the things that he originally wanted to do. 
I feel like you see that in this uh, in this storytelling. It's very pure storytelling, man. It really is. A lot of the best uh, comics that former cartoonists make is in the storyboard uh, stage. Like I think of like Stephen Platt. We looked at some of his stuff and and incomprehensible comic pages, but I've seen his his like Iron Man storyboards, totally readable. Yeah, I, I think that a lot too with um, like John Romita Jr. being doing layouts for the first ten years of his career because like that's the storytelling part. I think that's the closest to like a writer's room would have been Stan Lee's setup early on at Marvel, where it's like if you imagine Kirby's and Ditko's as the writer as, as co-writers, it's kind of that writer room thing where you have like your uh, showrunner Stan Lee at the end just making sure it all sort of fits under that umbrella, but having these different creative voices. I, uh, I flagged this because of the perspective of the staircase. You know, for all of my complaining about having to draw perspective, sometimes you need it for these kind of suspense moments. And I feel like that's a pretty good shot of a relatively straightforward drawing. It's a diagram. But a lot of mood. Yeah, it's a diagram. Like, like it's not real perspective or anything like that, man. But, but you, A lot of menace in that shot. Yeah, yeah. Getting that scratchy black line does it all. He's There's indicating also, lighting. Um, yeah, the lighting's a huge part of this. Definitely, if, if you're watching this at home and you're not familiar with this, it's a short. So, you know, 15 minutes of your time that uh, you will not regret. But the lighting is a huge part. And again, all of those are things that can be applied to comics, that, that are applied to most of the comics that I like and try to make. Uh, Ed, you were mentioning the models. So this is the big climactic scene, and we'll roll through this. And uh, spoiler alert for for anybody that hasn't seen this yet but there's a train that runs through Wallace's house through several rooms and that's where this big chase is going to take place it's absolutely spectacular to watch I can't imagine conceiving of it because of the grasp of, of space that you need to sort of like map this out and have camera angles shifting around and have the train going through rooms and turning and all this different stuff but uh, we'll kind of walk through and, and show some of the highlights of course first step is got to get everybody on the train. So we've got Gromit now falling onto the back of the train and our penguin villain out in front. And you get this kind of stuff. Uh, one of the details, this used to be Wallace's dog door, or uh, Gromit's dog door. It gets changed in the course of the story so that it's penguin-shaped. <laughs> I thought he was just hanging up his colostomy bag before bed. <laughs> Not at all. And, uh, you know, running these tracks as you're going along, another big part, I like that they have this inner cut the book design part, you know, where you get to see, like, what does this actually look like? And you can even see the speed just in that shot, which I don't know how they actually get that part. I don't know how they do any of it, because, like, they, they call it claymation, uh, but, but like, that's not clay, right? That, that's right. That's some sort of But it is that thing of, like, or shot, move everything a tiny bit, shot, move everything a tiny bit. I don't know how you do that whenever it's like, oh, and we're going to have a train that's running at, a, like, a racing speed while we're making Gromit, you know, one frame at a time animating. Uh, just just as an aside, I'm going to recommend everybody go check out Mad God, the feature-length uh, stop-motion animation animated flick that came out, like, within the past year or two. Uh, transformative. Do you know the uh, the other stop-motion guy that I think of? Is it Ed Bickford? Oh, I don't know. Bickford's his last name, and there was a documentary on him, and there's a big time-lapse of him, like, doing a scene. He was known for, like, he would stop-motion, like, 50 things in a scene so like he had it on tracks and he would wheel it over and move everything a little bit and then move it back take the picture move it back move everything and they do a time lapse of that and it's one of the most hypnotic because the hands just kind of roll through the scene almost like this as he adjusts everything right yeah i know that kind of stuff also there are amazing like iphone apps for stop motion animation and all you need is this little claw thing that we have holding our camera right here keep it stationary and uh 
I've seen some really cool stop motions coming from like people are still doing it on a on a low key level. I did one one time as like a group art project where a guy was like directing it and there were I don't know eight of us or something. Each person had a diff different character that you'd be responsible for moving, and it was really neat to see it once it was like you know you'd shot a couple of seconds worth and then you'd see like the motion on the screen and it was uh it was it was so it's it's magic almost watching it like, totally i i uh, it feels like whenever you print your comic yeah and you see the pages coming out or you fold and staple it and it's like oh as a little kid i did stop motion with uh, power ranger toys because they have like lots of articulation including the transformation of the megazord so there were parts where like the stuff is cool. in the air and you see that i'd like tied fishing line and just kind of <laughs> like good. lay it down and then slowly click it in That's it, awesome. it still exists on a vhsc tape my brother has man one of those tapes that you put into the bigger need to convert VHS some tape. of those vhs tapes ed yeah i think i think that'd be popular on uh cafe you hear all of like we're voicing the characters so it's, not, <laughs> it's before eddie p's nuts dropped and it's just like, hey i'll get you bad guys like that type of shit time to pay some bills ed piscor and i are working cartoonists the best way to support cartoonists kayfabe buy our comic books red room trigger warnings Issues one through three now available in comic shops everywhere, barring uh, 28 countries and I think 11 comic shops where it's banned, but you can ask for this and order it from virtually any comic shop. Who knows, they might pull them out from under the covers. Red Room Trigger Warnings 3, the second season of Red Room. Every Red Room cover self-contained, so pick up whichever one you find and it, you'll get a complete story, along with Red Room Anti-Social Network, the trade paperback of the first season, available now wherever books and comics are sold. Hulk Grand Design, Monster Madness, a retelling of the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk. I am writing, drawing, coloring, lettering, the whole shebang, the Grand Design way. And this is available now in comic shops everywhere. Both issues, the complete story of the Incredible Hulk's rich history. Pick that up now wherever comics are sold. And back to our regular scheduled programming. You have to bring in all your characters, right? Yeah. It's the climax. So what happens, those those uh, wrong trousers end up on a car that gets separated. And now it's essentially roller skates of Wallace just flying around as part of the train. Again, I just don't know how you have this kind of animation. And look at the diagrams for the various train tracks running through the house. Yeah. I love that planning stage. I mean, this is a 200-page book to, like, how, how long is the animation? You think five minutes, ten I mean, minutes? It's probably 15 yeah, it's, it's definitely worth tracking down. And this is your big moment is like, oh shit, the tracks end here. They got on a piece that's unfinished and that dumps Wallace out of his pants. But also like, what are you gonna do with the tracks? And uh, we're soon going to see the solution to that one. Look at this again with the motion. I wonder if that's a uh, like a CGI effect to get that background motion. You know what it might way. be? Like, you might even see it right there. Like, the, like maybe the background is is on like a conveyor belt sense. or something. It could even be partially painted that way. If you ever see like the Looney Tunes, you'll see the backgrounds of like running or something fast, and it's kind of just blurred paint. paint yeah, paint swatches. Wallace is constantly foiled, but here we go. Running out of track. Grab the spare track. He's now laying down track <laughs> as they go, and we talk about like direction left and right. Look at how good this is for d switching direction. We're clearly moving from right to left, but we know there's a wall in front of there. We're going to go full circle, and now we're back the other direction. It's so effective on screen, and it's so effective in comic panels. You know, it's that reading direction. And they'll have little notes, like whenever they did this, they go through like under the table. They actually used a uh, full-size table for that, mm. you know, to give a little bit extra space, but it's such a cool visual effect. I think the takeaway from this is, you know, you think about like the props that you have at hand whenever you're doing laying out a scene. It's genius that they're running through these legs. It just adds to the speed stuff. Yeah, that's the thing you always need, right? Like that that was like the revelation that 
that uh, Orson Welles had when, or how, no, Howard Hughes when he was like uh, getting dogfight footage and was like, this is, it's static. Like you just see an airplane, like there's nothing to convey the speed or the scale or anything. Yeah, you'd hear that in, uh, what was the comics where it was like the mandate was no dogfighting? D- DC Comics for right, a certain generation. Because it was so hard to figure out how to make that dynamic. And then, of course, dudes do figure it out. And uh, you're the loser for not being on the cutting edge. I think that might have been like a Mort Weisinger uh, thing. And I, I was just watching that Alan Moore uh, masterclass. That was BBC, by the way. And he said that one of the mandates by Weisinger was no more than 35 uh, words in a six-panel page. In a six-panel, like... in, in a, like that. In a per panel in a six panel panel page so 200 words per page he says he still abides by it and they show alan moore's like workbooks like when he's like like handwriting scripts before taking it to type stage and like with character designs and stuff and at the end of every set of dialogue every sentence every dialogue bubble he has the number of words that's interesting yeah that's a that's a wild rule to uh because again like you'd learn that after a certain amount of time it would just be like in, almost intuitive of like you're thinking in those numbers of he, words dude he uh he was like and this is something that i'm astonished to discover that like people working in comics don't know about to this day and i'm like you just called me out man you never see that discussed so we're almost at our at our final shot and you bring your wrong trousers, right? We, we've seen them from the beginning, so they've got to play a role in the end. Chekhov's trousers. They, they stop right in front of our penguin, who has run out of train by this point. You know, the train's just getting chopped up as we go through this sequence. And as he's making his, his final getaway with his bag and his diamond, the wrong trousers stop that. Gromit is, is uh, like a wide receiver running down the football field, anticipating, like, what's going to happen here? And he races into a cabinet. Jim, this is British, man. It's a, he's a rugby player. This is, this is such great. Like this is about five checkoff guns all all reaching the same moment of climax. Is the milk, the empty milk bottle falls into his lap. Penguins coming through the air right into the bottle, and you're left with this perfect, neat ending where everything comes together perfectly visually. Again, it's so beautiful. No words in the last two minutes of this amazing piece. Um, but look how the. From, from your storyboard sketch to your actual image. Like, this feels like it's so tight. Yeah. And I guess if you're building it, you can be that tight, but also, like, you need that kind of clarity at some point in the planning stage to get to this point. And just your little, uh, your little ending, walk them to the police, and uh, turns out his prison is actually the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a political message. But I love all of the incidental drawings and stuff, just kind of working out the details that make this world so uh, so lively. And again, attention to the lighting stuff. Look some at that, of the, man. some of the funnest parts for me. Again, it's that that kind of attention to how do we how do we sell this? How do we make the film part? That, I mean, that's what stands out to me. Like you watch this, and it really feels like like a like a movie rather than I don't know animation whatever animation is or falls short of you know it's not just the artwork but it really is that attention to the filmmaking parts yeah we've we've seen storyboards uh you know in dvd commentaries or, or like extras and they're these dashed out very quick yeah absolutely like corporate things it just feels like if you put that level of care into like the storyboard part of it that's just indicative of the brains working on this thing and it's not like they're going to hack out the actual final visuals you know it's a, it's a way of thinking Ardman's a really interesting like whole backstory because at one point they go in this like realistic direction for a while to the point of you know you, you can find documentaries on them 
but the realistic stuff is like you know humans sitting at a desk like doing work or whatever and it it looks real and why not you know it's almost like disney sort of rotoscoping motion or something to really capture it but it's just one direction and then ultimately they pull back and go in a different direction uh much more kind of cartoony animated style but it's really cool to see those explorations and then the sad note is most of Ardman's archives were lost in a, in a warehouse fire. Mm. Uh, now it's probably been 15 or 20 years. It's been a while since it happened. But, you know, like books like this, it's so nice to have them because, like, these are the archives that preserve this stuff, you know, a lot of this material now. So it's, it's kind of cool, but I definitely I'd highly recommend Wrong Trousers for a million reasons for anybody that's trying to tell visual stories. Like, yeah. the storytelling is really in the panels of this. Yeah, super cool, man. Like, this book rules. Uh, I... Heard of Wallace and Gromit, never really messed with it, uh, but very inspiring to check this out, for sure. You good to go? Yep. Okay, favors, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, we'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, Jimmy? Hulk Grand Design Monster and Hulk Grand Design Madness are in comic shops everywhere right now. It's my Grand Design treatment of the 60-year history of the Incredible Hulk. I'm writing, drawing, coloring, all that good stuff, so pick that up while supplies last. Uh, perfect for new Hulk fans or longtime readers. Join me on patreon.com slash jimrug to see more of my comics and comics art. And make sure you come by at Heroes Con to uh, say hello to the Cartoonist Cafe booth. We will be there. We will be doing panels in June. So uh, check that out. Looking forward to uh, seeing everybody at Heroes. It's been a while. Red Room Trigger Warnings, issue 1, 2, and 3 are on the sands as we speak. Potentially issue 4 is out there as well. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game in Red Room Comics. It is banned in 28 countries. It is banned in 11 comic shops. Uh, so... If you are in an unfortunate place where you can't get your hands on the comic, you got to go to my link tree in the description below this video to order it directly from the publisher. Uh, you could also go to my Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash edpiscor. For three bucks there, you can uh, get access to the archive of Red Room Comics. Read them all online right now as we speak. What else do we have out there, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist KFAB newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist KFAB t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. That's another great way to support the Cartoonist KFAB channel, and I'm looking forward to see how many KFAB shirts we see at Heroes Con. Uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks. Jimmy, give them those marching orders. We'll be on our way. Make more comics.